my name is Jay, and I am stuck in the wrong timeline. We are here with Daniel, who is going to read his poetry for us. Take it away, Daniel. A cold day in hell. Some think the world is changing too quickly, crumbling around their feet. But our quaint little city still lives and breathes in the old ways. The bright-faced retirees still gather at the farmer's market on pleasant summer days. The children still play at the park, shouting gleefully at the top of their lungs. The older children still manage their tills in the evenings after school, sometimes terminally. The FFA members, heirs of the monoculture, still roam the campus in their little club jackets. The students, secure in their agricultural estates, still joke about the fags on campus and gawk performatively through the glass walls of the multicultural center. They still chew tobacco and wear cowboy hats and call black students by the names they know hurt most. There's even a plastic bowl you can throw a rope around, if you desire to. The landowners still cheat at the game they rigged years ago. It's a safe investment to buy land in a college town. Students will live anywhere, with mold or leaky ceilings. Anywhere, toxic or not. They have to live this way, if only to continue the tradition. There's still asbestos in the ballroom floor adjacent to the daycare slash faculty office where the orchestra practices opposite the brand new sports stadium. Everyone who's supposed to get by gets by. And the streets still smell like horseshit and regurgitated beer on the cold morning after the rain. Tower Skies They stretch far above me, the tower skies, radiance barely contained by silent somber clouds. It dives down and sweeps through me in a swift downdraft, and I breathe beauty. It is so in South Dakota. But my chest cracks and burns in the crushing icy grasp of these tower skies. How can I cherish this thing, beautiful and cold, a thing that tears cruelly at the ones that I love? It is so in South Dakota. Yet we are unable to bring ourselves to despair. We cannot give it up in spite of our pain. The snow falls and we plant our feet and dig trenches that will last us the rest of our lives. It is so in South Dakota. I'm really excited that you shared your poetry. I did not know that you wrote poetry. So that was, I mean, I figured you wrote short stories, but mm. I, I didn't really, I don't know, my, my mind just kind of didn't connect the dots of like, <laughs> oh, poetry also could all be a thing that he, that he was writing. Yeah. So Well, I, I didn't always do it. You know, it's been something that I've gotten interested over the years. I, I had some classes with Dr. Christine Stewart and uh, Professor Wingate. That's been enjoyable, but you know, also just writing sometimes in the free time is nice because I think for me it it helps to process things a little bit. Oh yeah, um, and it's it's also really self actualizing to just to take something that you've experienced and or something. Yeah, um, I can definitely so relate to that. Yeah. To that point, you know, in in regards to like to processing stuff, you you also um, in your poems you did mention you know they're based around South Dakota. Yeah. So you know, having lived in South Dakota myself for just a few years, I can kind of relate to that 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 sort of atmosphere there. But I also wanted to know. So 
was there a, a specific event that inspired you to write these poems or uh, something that kind of motivated you to be like, okay, well, I have to sit down and process this, you know? Well, I should start off by saying, and I think this, I, I owe a bit of a disclaimer to uh, any listeners. I do work at SDSU. Uh, I do not intend to represent SDSU uh, on the whole. I am merely here to communicate my own experiences, and I think that that, that is appropriate. And, and I just want to be clear that uh, this is not sanctioned. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when I speak today, I, I don't want this to be, yeah. you know, SDSU. Right. Yeah. Um, this is not represent SDSU. This is just yes. you, Daniel, the person, not the employee. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But um, basically, uh, the, the first poem, A Cold Day in Hell, was actually during my undergrad. And I had a lot of experiences during my undergrad just meeting different people. I had not met too many people different from myself before I attended college. And I think that's one of the nice things about college and about SDSU itself. So I, I met some, you know, a non-binary person and I'd never met a non-binary person before. I also met, um, you know, some queer folks in general. And, uh, you know, it, it was really cool to learn about them and to hang out with them. But one of the things that's happened quite a bit during undergrad is that um, I noticed quite a bit of hostility. And some of it was very like, you know, um, you know, pretending that being gay is like humorous and stuff like that. But there were slurs shouted at students that I witnessed and just general uh, a lack of acceptance, which is something that really bothered me. Uh, right. Simply because I, I felt like Brookings was such uh, a wonderful place in terms of just the, the sheer amount of people from different places and walks of life. And it was really sort of disheartening to see, you know, a rejection of others, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and for anybody that might not be aware, so SDSU is located in Brookings. It's a university there. So that is the, the campus experience that is being referenced. It's just that general experience of diversity also. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that's really good to have with a, a lot of university, that's a big benefit of having that diverse experience. But I, I definitely do agree, you know, there's there's some campuses where even, you know, you could have the most diverse experience possible and there's still going to be some sort of hostility for some reason. I don't know. And I think that's it's, that does warrant processing. <laughs> that's one of the things that I tried to capture a bit more in uh, my second poem, mm-hmm. uh, Tower Skies, and that uh, South Dakota in general is a beautiful place with a lot of uh, beautiful people. But there are there, there is a coldness to it sometimes that comes out in hatred. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we can talk a little bit about SDSU, I think I mentioned the Multicultural Center. I, I did experience students just kind of, oh, you should go in there. You're gay, you know, to each other and <laughs> just oh, wow. gawking. And, you know, and I, I think there's a, a lofty goal with the establishment of the Multicultural Center. And I, I really am glad that it's there. It just seems that uh, the culture of SDSU, it has some growing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's the and it's the beginning also. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's I don't know, I've 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 read in some like in the equality websites and everything of like you you have the establishments, you got the you got the foundations, you're beginning to build it. So mm-hmm. working towards that. Um, but definitely uh, one of the things that I really liked about the the poems that you read, especially the first one, A Cold Day in Hell, really spoke out to me. I felt I feel like as someone who used to live in South Dakota, I <laughs> I hold like that kind of love hate relationship that sometimes is a little bit more hate than love. <laughs> yeah. It's a complicated relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And so 
I since that was the first poem that that you wrote in relation to that was the first poem that you wrote in relation to this topic, right? Between mm-hmm. the two of yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So out of everything that you could have potentially written, if you could have written a short story or anything else like that, why was it poetry? Well, I, I think there is a quality of poetry where it, it often has a, an easier time um, reflecting the perspective of the author. Uh, you know, you could write, I am feeling sad in a short story and, you know, the reader might believe that you're feeling sad, but it doesn't really achieve the same effect of allowing the reader to inhabit that experience with you. So I think Poetry does a lot better in allowing empathy across uh, from the subject to the author. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And again, like, I do agree with that. I, I've I've had that experience myself. So that's it's really interesting to see, you know, that kind of shared perspective, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that I mean, that I, I appreciate that uh, you you also mentioned um, at one point during your form, you said you you were inspired by a lot of different authors. And one of them was Woodsworth. I have no idea who Woods, Wordsworth is. I believe I'm mispronouncing it. Correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. You're, you got it right. It's Wordsworth. He did a lot of nature poetry. And one thing that I try to cultivate in my poetry sometimes is a lot of good nature imagery. You know, without venturing into the realm of the pathetic fallacy, I, I think that nature does a lot in capturing everyday life. And I think um, South Dakota has a lot of beautiful nature to offer us. You know, a lot of excellent parks like Clay County, yeah. um, Palisades, you know, uh, I, I like hiking quite a bit. <laughs> and I think Wordsworth really captures like uh, just going out on a hike and really just soaking it all in. Okay. I would like to say, though, uh, before yeah. we move on, Wordsworth shouldn't get all the credit. His sister did uh, quite a bit of the uh, writing that uh, his poetry. Uh, oh, so he probably shouldn't allow him to get all the credit. <laughs> I think she deserves mention as well. Do you know her name? I'm, I'm going to look up her name right now. Dorothy. Dorothy. Oh, yes. Dorothy, of course. <laughs> yeah. Dorothy Of course, she deserves Dorothy. credit, and then I, I forget her name. But no, but it's true. Um, they, um, they, they would uh, go on walks together, and um, she would write in uh, a shared journal a description of their, their walk, and uh, a lot of her writing made it up into his poetry, although she's never read it. That um, is that is really that that's honestly really inspiring. Again, yeah. I had no idea that, that that they even existed, so I might go and check out some of their work now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> of course. And so uh, another author that I, that you mentioned that you had been inspired by, I think it was Nathaniel Hawthorne. Um, oh, yeah. So I remember reading him when I was in high school. I read The Scarlet Letter and it, I I tried, man. I tried really hard <laughs> to get into it. And it was one of those like I knew I would like that book if I would read it in any other uh, environment other than high school. So I, I wanted to know, like, was that the one that drew you in or was there a different work that Nathaniel Hawthorne and I should be checking out that maybe inspired you or anything? So I have a confession to make. Oh, I have no. never read Scarlet Letter. I've not. I have read The Minister's Black Veil, which is a wonderful short story. And of course, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time describing it, I think sort of capture, well, I think a great portion of the college experience in terms of isolation, in terms of not knowing really what you're doing or, or the meaning of it all. Right. It, it's, I think, uh, <laughs> a journey into nihilism. 
although not an entirely unhelpful nihilist, I think that should be. Uh, the Minister's Black Veil, it's a bit of a horror story, but um, if you read into it a little bit more, I think there's more to be said about the fact that this isolation is shared. And the fact that it's shared does make it a little bit easier to bear. And I, I felt that uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne does a great job of sort of tapping into that human experience. I can definitely see, based on what you uh, have been describing, how that inspired you in your poems. There was this one <laughs> line, and pardon if I misremember, but I think it was from Cold Day in Hell that you read about how students live, that they'll live anywhere. Can you speak more about that? Like, was that something you experienced or did you observe it from other students? Well, uh, yeah, I, I, something that I experienced and that I've witnessed in lives of other students, just, you know, uh, the state of renting is not great, but the state of renting in a college town is something entirely different because, you know, so much of college life is based on a turnover rate of, you know, one to two years. There's not really much incentive for um, landowners to, you know, fix up properties or to really maintain them at all. And because like all of the attention is focused around the university, a lot of the value is just in the land. So really the accommodations don't make much of a difference. It's, it's strictly just having space for me. And I think, you know, we all kind of accept that as part of the college experience. You know, uh, we accept that there's going to be mold in the walls that, um, you know, if a storm comes through, you gotta, you know, cross your fingers that you'll be all right. I, I think that um, it's sort of a, a harmful bit of college culture to just be like, well, it's just how it is. You just gotta live with um, those accommodations and uh, hope you can make it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the experience. And I, I've been luckier than most, I will say. You know, I have a family that supports me. I've been pretty lucky with rental units, but I know that um, it's not the same way for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I can definitely. Yeah, I can. I can see that. I mean, I I do feel like that's kind of what happens in pretty much every college town. Yeah. But I, I, in my personal experience of living in South Dakota, you know, different states have different protections for tenants. I don't feel like there's very many in South Dakota to count on necessarily. And I feel like it's almost it's almost predatory in a way when you think about it, because like, yeah, there's no incentive to fix the, you know, the, the living conditions of students. And also the students don't know. Because most people, you yeah. know, when you go to university, they're not really like, yeah, there's grad students, but usually grad students are like, well, I want to go somewhere else that's better, you know? Yeah, they'll, they'll flee as soon as they're able to. Exactly. <laughs> So you got like all these undergrad students that are already coming from very likely, you know, something that they've known all their life, their whole entire background. Mm -hmm. And then they're coming into these uh, these living situations that are also stressful with barely mm -hmm. any knowledge on how to navigate those kind of living situations. And then you just kind of shove them into a campus. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think what makes it harder is the fact that it's also a very isolating experience like you're facing all this but you're also facing all this without your family or any of the old friends that you used to right. have back home yeah i think um 
you know, the things that we're talking about today, like all of these are made more difficult by the sense of isolation that comes with uh, the vastness of South Dakota. You know, it's a it's a big open space. It's beautiful, yeah. out here, but it's also quite isolating. It's I mean, it's um, considered a flyover state. Like I remember w moving to South Dakota and people are like, why? What is there like in South Dakota? <laughs> and I promise you, I would not have gotten those questions if I moved to like Florida, New York, California. Like there's yeah. stuff there. But South Dakota is like, were you going to Mount Rushmore? It's like, no, the other the other side. <laughs> For those listening from out of state, we do not ride buffalo anymore. Um, <laughs> in the 80s, we were able to get some gas stations. So we were able to um, get some some motorized vehicles. Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, oh my gosh, seeing like the because I'd, I'd see, you know, the, those pickup trucks that last forever. And you're just like, OK, that makes sense. Yeah. In South Dakota. And then you see these Teslas and it's like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Yeah. You got to wonder about the like, that's not going to get you up to the interstate <laughs> when it's like snowing and there's ice on the road. You have like, a very why? expensive doorstop. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. And there's no place to charge them either. I don't I don't get it. But in the, the videos of seeing the handle just like completely frosted over just you can't you got to <laughs> carve your way yeah. into the car. <laughs> Yeah, if it wasn't hard enough to get into your car, like when you yes. have like a centimeter of ice around everything. Oh my gosh. Just have the handle. Uh, yeah. Not not built for ice. Nope. Yeah, definitely not. Those are not <laughs> those aren't those are not South Dakota hardy cars. <laughs> oh no. Oh um, gosh. But yeah, so is there uh any any topic in particular um recently that has uh inspired you to write or something you'd like to bring forth? Yeah, well, um you know, one of the events that I feel like my poem is particularly suited towards is the recent drag show that SDSU held. Oh, right. Um, yeah. uh, and the negative publicity around that. I was really, when I was writing this, I, I was thinking about, you know, there, we have a lot of shared experience in South Dakota and just, uh, you know, experiencing what South Dakota's like. Right. But uh, when it comes to these issues, I, I think that there's also a lot of interest in dividing people, especially from politicians. And I think one of the, the major voices that created the problem around the drag show, which was misinformation, was uh, the action of uh, Hanson, Joe Hanson. He started spreading misinformation right away. And, and immediately after that, it picked up traction online. And there was a bunch of harassment. No. I, I guess I should start by talking about like the origin of the show, because I, I feel like it wouldn't be fair if I, I didn't say initially my, my partner works for GSA and they helped set up the events and having witnessed all of the um, inflammatory coverage of drag shows on Fox News, you know, calling everybody groomers and pedos. Am I allowed to say pedos? Yes. Yeah. OK. OK. But basically making it like a crime to be gay in public. That's the goal. All, all of that coverage saying that drag shows are sexualizing. Basically, my partner was trying to uh, set it up so that everyone would be at ease. They said it would be a kid-friendly event, and it was. They picked extra steps. Tips were collected in buckets. It was a no-contact event. The lyrics were cleaned up. The costumes were appropriate. So it was really disappointing to see after all that effort was taken that, you know, politicians would take advantage of the events to try and uh, fear-monger and basically agitate against the minority group. You know, a minority... Uh, 
a minority group that they're actually supposed to be serving. Right. I was really distressing to see. And I have to say uh, the response from SDSU was also not not ideal uh, in terms of correcting the record. There wasn't any sort of correction besides saying that the university didn't sponsor the event, which a lot of people read as the university distancing themselves from the event, which I... is understandable why they would want to do that um, right. in order to you know not uh, piss off the alumni. But it also made it so that all the backlash fell on my part. And it really felt that, you know, GSA being a student organization of SDSU, there should have been some kind of support there where they would say, students have every right to do this. It will be a kid-friendly show. You know, let's not fear. I, I think that would have been much more appropriate. And I think it would have showed students that they're welcome to be who they are at the university. For, so that, that was kind of my experience there. For anyone that might not be familiar, um, GSA is a Gender and Sexuality Alliance at uh, South Dakota State University. And there was a there was a, blo- a, a bit of a blowback happening because of a uh, drag show that had been scheduled there. You can probably find mo- way more information online. But yeah, I, I did. I think I did see the response from SDSU and... I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty far from the event myself. You know, I'm, I'm not super in tune with uh, what all happened, but there was there was some some threats and risk happening. I, I read and it was it was pretty intense. And to know that I, that I could f- give you more information about that. <laughs> OK, because um, we've been sort of at the center of it. You know, I, I shouldn't speak too much on other people's experiences. Right. I, I don't want to you know prescribe experiences for other people. I, I do want to say a I have heard from quite a few people that they weren't entirely satisfied with how the university handled the event. Right. I know that, um, you know, the representative for staff has been trying to speak with the administration about this, try and resolve it and figure out how they can handle this in the future. But there was quite a bit of harassment leveled towards my partner who set up the events. Wow. I think particularly because of the distancing by the administration. And there's also threats against them, including a bomb threat to the entirety of GSA, um, which wasn't communicated to them in a timely manner. Um, they actually heard about it uh, through Discord. Oh, through UPD, wow. Which was uh, disappointing. And, and I, I do want to say I'm not trying to um, provide any information that isn't already out there. Right, um, right. All of this has been reported already, several news articles. So I don't feel like I'm getting stuff there. Right, um, no, yeah. But just the fact that this happened. happened, yeah. Just the yeah, fact that it, it's, it's just disappointing. Occurred. Yeah, I think a lot of people are feeling that way. And I think, you know, we all know that the that SDSU can do better. And I think, um, you know, we all really care about SDSU and the students. And we feel that, um, you know, there are ideals that the university has uh, that, that we can probably do better at, at serving uh, right. students. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, universities are supposed to be a, a place of learning and educating and getting rid mm-hmm. of ignorance. So having those kind of threats, I think, should be 100 percent unacceptable. And I, there should have been a, a better response, probably. But um, I do want to say, you know, there's been a lot of messaging about protecting students. And I think that that is that's good. Uh, Necessary and good. And they have been pretty proactive about, you know, making sure that the campus is safe and messaging to everybody. Like, hey, so uh, that that's good. I, I think we yeah. should probably do some service to, <laughs> to that as well. At least that, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But that's, you know, uh, and, and having that topic kind of brought forth really does put into perspective the, the poetry you presented, because, again, it's one of those, like you mentioned, 
that that can happen anywhere. But the fact that it yeah. happened in South Dakota, where it's so isolating, um, mm-hmm. and maybe to people that are outside of South Dakota, that might not be very clear. But it's because you know when you live in a large city, you're you're kind of just one in the crowd. But in South Dakota, it's like the smallest. This you stand out. You stand out so much in South Dakota compared to like if you were to New York, you would just kind of fit in. And then having that already isolating experience of being part of the GSA, having already the Mm -hmm. isolating experience that you live in South Dakota, that you are away from your family, that you just joined university. Like all of this is just so very much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I I know that uh, my partner was feeling pretty isolated when all this was going on. And I, I tried my best to support them, but it is tough when, you know, it's, it is a smaller community here in Brookings. And uh, it's also difficult when they're at work and they, I don't feel like they can, you know, talk to other people at work about this. So that, that was a little distressing, but we, we made it through. Um, and I think, you know, everybody's in a better spot now. But I think um, what's really necessary now is that we sort of reflect on the experience and figure out how to take up now, or at least that we can handle it better when it does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Have a, a, yeah. a plan in place, you know, when unfortunately in case this happens again, hopefully it doesn't, but you know. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's uh, a lot of really, really good, I think, very important topics Daniel brought up. And again, wonderful, wonderful poetry. I really I really resonated with a lot of of the the lines you read in your poetry. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And so is there any any projects or anything that you're uh, working on for the future? Well, one of the things that I care a lot about is art and its benefit for the community. Like I've talked about earlier, I think um, art, poetry in particular, but art in general, is really good at allowing people to communicate, to empathize. And I think Brookings itself would benefit quite a bit from a community-based art magazine. And that's something that I'm trying to set up. It's called The Driftwood. It's a little bit of a pun on uh, the various, you know, we have the the coffee shop, the cottonwood. Um, We have the school magazine, the uh, Oakwood. Right. Um, but I wanted to, to make something more regional, basically, for the South Dakota Brookings community. And basically what I'm trying to do is to solicit submissions of any kind, really, from community members of the Brookings area. Who knows? We might expand it to outside Brookings. But we are accepting prose, poetry, satire. If you have a link to some music, that would be fine. We accept visual art, photography, pretty much whatever you got, whatever we can put in print. Sheet music. Now, if you want to do that, go ahead. That um, is something I've never <laughs> seen in print, like in a magazine. I think that would be phenomenal if anybody has sheet music, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't even intend this to be super highbrow stuff. If you have a doodle on a napkin, send it in. Because I think by seeing the art that the community produces we can empathize a bit more with our community members we can sort of see who we are a little bit more yeah um and i think that would be really beneficial for a town full of young adults trying to figure out who they are so if you have any submissions that you want let me get the link here sure uh, you can send it to driftwoodlitmagazine at gmail.com and send any submission you want there text files, audio files. Yeah, that would work. Perfect. As long as it can be on a print medium. Yes. <laughs> it can uh, be yes. printed As long out. as it can be printed. If I can link to an audio file, that would be fine. Visual, 
contextual, that kind of stuff. Perfect. All right. So uh, is there any anywhere else that um, somebody can get in touch with you if they want to see more of your poetry or work? Um, you know, I, I think that's it. The Drift. <laughs> I, I would drift. shout out other things, but uh, the Drift quote is pretty much all I got now. All right. I got rid of Twitter recently because uh, their standards on the graph changed um, and made platforms dangerous. Yeah. So. I, I feel that. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And again, my name is Jay and I am a rogue AI. Uh, we will see you next month with the next chapter of Epigraph. Ah!